And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya, Essay Burbank Podcast. Or Essay Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. <laughs> it's the game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. Let's pick up, let's pick it up. Let's actually make some. <laughs> And see, I came up with more. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. Yes, we are back yet again, boys and girls. And Sadie and I were just doing the math with Wynn and Burbank with our two What We Think specials, plus I believe this is our 38th podcast of What We Think. This is our 60th podcast together. Amazing. And we forgot to do a mic check, but I see the little seismic, uh, what you call it. So apparently we're good. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm ready to. You're ready to roll. Yeah. 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 I, it's, it's, uh, you asked me, does it seem like it? No, it doesn't. It, you know, it, I don't, I don't know. I tend not to like think that way anyhow. So. Right. You know, no, it doesn't seem like. 60, but you could tell me it was 200, it wouldn't seem like it either. I mean, you know, I just, I like doing it, so it's and, not, it's not something I count. And you know, the funny thing is, is just two years ago, I would have never thought about doing this. It would have not crossed my brain. Well, that's, hopefully, that's, um, that's the way you're supposed to live life. You know, you're supposed to let new stuff come into your life and, you know, Speaking of which, and I, I think you're going to be very happy with what I'm about to say. Hmm. Um, I got an email from the MythWorks. Oh, yeah? And um, it was a gentleman who I had done business with with the World of Myth, and, and he was one of my associate editors for a while. And he was a contributor to the World of Myth. And he's like, well, I, I wrote a new... a new mo- Yeah. <laughs> I've said that a lot. I wrote a new novel. Oh, yeah? And I'm interested in... Sending it to you to see if you want to publish it. Mm-hmm. And I was very easily typed in, no, thank you, I don't do that no more. There you go, there you go. And it didn't bother me, it didn't, there was no hesitation, no thoughts, or no nothing, it was just like, no. I'm past that. Sorry, don't go there anymore, yeah. yeah. So, it's... That reminds me, uh, after the show, remind me, I want to ask a couple of questions about stuff like that. Okay. Um, also, um, one of the reasons I bring it up is because I got an email for the scene read and mm-hmm. one of the listeners was like, they went all the way back to episode one and they're like, oh my God, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it can't be that bad. So I listened to episode one. Oh my God, it was horrible. <laughs> and then I, I, I spent the entire day, I listened to all of the number one shows. Yeah. I listened to our first Win in Burbank. I yeah. listened to the first Who's the Boss. And it's, it's interesting because we were, we're fortunate enough to have the, the people that were following the world of myth and following MythWorks. A lot of them came with us mm-hmm. when we made this transition. I'm surprised they stuck around, to be honest with you. Because. Well, I kept telling you, I didn't know, I didn't think people would want to listen to us. And why in the world do they? Now you know. <laughs> well, you don't know why. But they, they did stick around and our numbers are growing. Um, that's good. That's good to know. That's, I'm glad. I'm glad. We're glad you're out there. Honest to God, we are. We, we'd love to hear from you. All you have to do is email us anytime. 
and we'll read your emails on air if we get them. I've been collecting data, or data, however you want to pronounce it, um, for our next show. Mm-hmm. Uh, not our next show. It'll be, count. It'll be our 40th episode is when I want to start the, the education thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I've okay. been going through okay. and collecting as much interesting stuff that, uh, you know, I didn't know. Okay. And I, I think that's pretty much what the basis of, of episode 40 is going to be is just you and I going back and forth with, did you know? Did you know? I didn't know that. So. Yeah, every once in a while I say something like that. Contrary to popular opinion, I don't know everything. Now, I know that, you know, when this is released, it's going to be a few weeks after the Oscars. Um, did you have any thoughts that you wanted to throw out there with the Oscars? You want, I will surprise you with what my favorite part of the Oscar show was. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. It was Pink singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Really? She did a fantastic job. It was beautiful. She did. I did. Uh, you know, I told Ernie. I said, you know, if she has um, an album of similar music, yes. You know what us old folks call music? Yes. I would love to have it because she sings like an angel. She really does. She's got a fantastic voice. But I've never, <clears throat> I've never heard her sing anything that I knew was her singing mm-hmm. before. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised. So was he. He enjoyed it as well. Pink is one of those performers who can actually sing. Yeah. No kidding. I was, I was, and I kept thinking, I kept in the back of my mind, kept thinking, I'm so glad it's pink instead of you know who. Yeah. (laughs) Or the other you know who. I can think of four or five you know who's. I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was without a doubt my favorite part of the Oscars. Um, I think, and, and I know it's okay. Here's here's my thing. Uh, I can't think of the director's name, the one who you know got best film for Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, uh, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Yes, I should have known that off the top of my head. Yeah, really. Um, you know, they were giving him kind of rushing him to go through and. Well, do actually, this. he didn't get. He didn't get what? He didn't get best director. He got best film. He got best film. The it was another. It was another time when the best film or uh, favorite film, I guess they're calling it now. They try. They're trying to be very PC. Uh, but it was another time when the one that got best film for the year did not get best director. Right. Which you know you kind of go, huh? It was like when Argo got be- best film and and Ben Affleck didn't. Ben get Affleck best. got. Uh, thumb up his butt. Nothing, you know. And that's that's what I meant. Because I'm still used to, if you get best film, it should be best director. You would think. You would think. And one of the uh, cast did get uh, her award. That was um, Lupita. Yes, her uh, best actress. Nyong'o, I believe is the way it's pronounced. Um, she she was delightful to listen to. Her acceptance speech was, was really spot on, I thought. Um. Yeah, I don't know why he. I don't know why he didn't get best director. I ne- I don't understand the thinking behind. If it's the best picture, why isn't he the best director? Right. You know, I don't get that. 
the thing that bugged me the most was, you know, he's up there and he's being sincere about what he's saying, you know, his acceptance speech, and they were kind of rushing him. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way because, you know, if they were so short on time, then why the fuck did they do the whole pizza delivery thing and spend like 10 yeah. minutes on that? Yeah, that, uh, I don't, I, I don't know that, uh, I, I don't know if that was planned or not. I kind of wonder sometimes whether, uh, maybe she was just trying to be funny and do, and something, do something different, you know. Right. Um, but they, they never plan right. I mean, it, let's face it, to be very, very, very realistic about the whole thing. Uh huh. If the time it takes somebody to make their acceptance speech is such an issue, why not drop a few fucking commercials? That's true. I mean, seriously, folks. You know, as it was, they had commercial interruptions all too frequently. All too frequently, as far as I'm concerned. Why don't they do like they do with the Rose Parade, where they have that so-called non-commercial interruption thing, where they got commercial logos all over the screen, right? You can barely see the parade, but at least you don't have them going away from the the parade to do a right. commercial. Like brought to you by right. Snickers. Yeah. This commercial free inter- uh, uh, par- parade is being brought to you by, and then they give you a commercial. But right. at least you can look at the parade while they're doing it. Right. Why not do something like that instead of having commercial interruption? Then they wouldn't have to have, uh, you know, speeches cut so ridiculously short. On the other hand, <laughs> to play devil's advocate. Okay. How uh, how many times in a night, how many awards were there, 15 or 20, how many times in a night can you listen to somebody say the same thing? Thank you, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they all, we, we know, everybody who watches the Oscars knows the, the, the drill. They thank everybody that was connected with the film, they thank their families, they thank their business associates, including their, uh, um, agents, agents and, and, and all of that, you know, right. and then they thank the guy that got him into the whole thing, and then they thank uh, the guy down the street because his dog came out <laughs> one day and peed on a flower and that meant something to him or whatever. So it might be a blessing in disguise to have commercial interruptions and to have the speeches cut fairly short because they do. It's not so much the thinking of a variety of people that bothers me. It's the fact that none of us knows who those people are. Right. You know, because contrary to what they might like to think, we do not sit and watch the 15-minute run at the end of a movie of the credits. Right. Okay? And if we do, we don't see very many of the names, and of the ones we see, we'd remember even fewer. Right. So we don't know who those people are. They know who they are. And it's nice that they want to acknowledge them to their peers, but that might be, there might be a better way to do that than to force the rest of the world to listen to it because it does not have the desired effect. I'm sure that, that somebody like Steve McQueen getting up and saying, I really owe a lot to George Flibbermothy. Because he did this or that for me. Tomorrow, we're not going to remember it. What, you know, and I'm pretty sure George is the only one who is going to remember it. Right. So what's the point? I don't, I, I don't get know. you. I don't know. I, I, 
I, it's not like I want to limit what they can say, but at the same time, somewhere along the line, they got to start realizing that we don't give a shit. You know, I barely care that they think they're parents, <laughs> which is kind of a stupid thing to do anyway. Thank you, Mom, for not ha- exercising birth control was one that somebody said a couple of years back. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, you know, that's, well, that was kind of cute. Um, I like the, um, I like what uh, Matthew McConaughey said about his dad, yeah, about his dad and his mom, and his his uh, <clears throat> thank you speech seemed to take a little bit different tack. You know, who I, who's my hero, who do I want to be like, and and yes, where I, do I go I like with my that. life, and sort. Of, I I thought that was clever and different, and and had more meaning to the listener than I want to thank George Flibbermouth because. We don't fucking know George. So, I don't know. Speaking of McConaughey, he still looks really sickly. He's very thin, but he lost a shitload of weight. It's like I said last uh, last week, he lost over 45 pounds. Well, so did Jared Leto. Uh, we, Ernie was reading in the paper today the lengths to which Jared Leto went for his part for which he did receive his Academy Award for the Best Supporting Actor. And he had actually lost 42 pounds. Oh, wow. And for the entire month that they were shooting his part of the movie, uh-huh. he stayed in character. Oh, really? Down to the high heels and everything. The makeup, everything. The voice, the altered falsetto voice that he used, everything about the character that you will see on the screen, he was that way at home, at work, at play, wherever he went for the entire month, which is, you know, and I told Ernie, I said, ask him today whether he thinks it was worth it or not. He said, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty sure he thinks it was all worth it. You know, and the fact that they both lost such a drastic amount of weight um, and that is, you know, like somebody said in one of the papers, that's a quarter of, of, uh, Matthew McConaughey's weight. Right. You know, his total weight. That's a lot of weight to lose. And he, and he didn't lose it in a, over a long period of time. He lost it in a reasonably short period of time. Comparatively short, I should say, not reasonably. And, um, and I don't know how much of it he has regained, but it looks like it may be down about 10 pounds. Yeah, and he's a tall man anyway, yeah. you know. So he, you lose you lose forty five pounds of of of, your, of a normal weight because he was at a normal weight. He wasn't pudgy. I mean, it's not like John Goodman lost forty five pounds, right? You wouldn't notice. But with with Matthew McConaughey, he was already just right. <laughs> My opinion, <laughs> he was just right. <laughs> so for him to lose that much weight, you know, in in less than a year, it was. Maybe too much. Um, Hard on the kidneys and the liver. That's what I was going to say is that stuff. that couldn't have been that it is healthy. Not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for a lot of reasons. But I was on, I was kind of, I wasn't I wasn't tweeting. I was reading the, the tweets from different people mm-hmm. during the, the Oscars and mm-hmm. just reading. And there was a, quite a few people talking about, well, why is it such a big deal for the Oscars, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's kind of shitting on the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And... I just said to myself, you know, it, and I'll say it here, people don't realize this, but when you have the tag, uh, you know, Oscar winning actor. Or even Oscar nominated. Yeah. 
Yeah. Your your payroll oh, goes up. Absolutely. So does your esteem among your peers, yourself, your esteem by your peers, I should say. Um yeah, it's 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 probably hard for people to understand who who are not in a a work environment where uh they are um held in high esteem right. for their work efforts by either those they work for or those they work with or both. Right. And and unfortunately there are not a lot of jobs where that is the case. Not really the case. You know, right. I mean sure they get you know the Walmart employee of the month <laughs> yeah. gets to park in the best parking spot in the parking lot and stuff like that. Uh but you know that's that's a kind of a thing where people you know, I mean, there are lots of kinds of businesses where they have employee of the month and it's all political and it's all, yeah, well, they'll get around to me someday or, well, she'll never get it because of this or that or she'll always get it because of this or that, you know, right. that sort of thing. So I think they may be trying to compare their own personal work experience with, uh, this sort of acclaim and it's just not the same. It's just not. I'm sorry. Right. In the first place, you're talking about uh, world-famous celebrities. Right. And just those words alone bear thinking. Right. Okay? When you're a world-famous celebrity, it's not just your 15 minutes of fame. Okay? It's like, well, the award that Angelina Jolie got for her humanitarian efforts. uh, Right. Her humanitarian efforts were not just localized or just in this country. They're worldwide. Right. And she's well known for all of the things that she has done in this country and abroad to, uh, to help particularly children. And I don't mean by adopting them. She's done her share of that too. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, she's done a lot and she continues to do. Uh, uh so does Brad Pitt, uh, her husband. He's done a tremendous amount of stuff. Uh, he did a lot of stuff with um, Habitat for Humanity, and uh, he's he's done an awful lot. He produced 12 Years a Slave. Right. That, to my thinking, is sort of a, a humanitarian act uh, as well. So um, when when that kind of a person who who has that kind those credentials, okay? Right. When when they're known worldwide for those credentials, that's unusual. Yeah, it is. It's not like Miley, okay? Miley's known worldwide for swinging naked on a ball. <laughs> Hardly what I would call humanitarian. Right. Or beneficial to mankind. Well, a few men, possibly. Uh, maybe even a few women. But not... Not in what I would call a truly honest, beneficial way. Right, okay? right. I'm not so- talking about getting off on watching her swing on the ball. No. So, yes, she's a worldwide celebrity, but she doesn't carry with that celebrity. She doesn't carry... Not for the right reason. Um, anything of import. And that's not just my opinion. Right. I'm pretty sure a lot of people agree with that. So, you know, that's why 
to answer some of those people who are naysayers about the Oscars. One, that's why God built telephone or television dials. Right. If you don't like the show, don't fucking watch it. And two, if you don't understand what's going on, don't watch it because you're just going to be bad mouthing it and showing your ignorance. <coughs> Unfortunately, you know. there was a lot of that last night. Well, there's an, uh, unfortunately, there are an awful lot of ignorant people in the world who have access to Twitter. What can I tell you? You know, you don't have to be brainy to, to tweet. But I like the fact that you brought Even up. No, I can't do it. <laughs> I like the fact that you brought up the humanitarian part because I think this is a good segue to take that and go into what you had planned to talk about tonight. Uh, about oh, the, oh, oh, well, the volunteering. We were talking about shit. Well, we, we've been talking about a lot of things about our show. Right. And, you know, how we used to do our show and how we now do our show and, Different things we think we maybe ought to try on our show. And before I get into the volunteer thing, it occurred to me, and I can't remember when, something's, something made me think of it this week. <clears throat> and I can't remember what, whether it was somebody saying they didn't like change or they didn't like the change or whatever. But it made me think, you know, we got an awful lot of positive feedback. Uh-huh. An awful lot of positive feedback, um, in emails from our listeners when we first started what we think. Well, when we first started when in Burbank. And right. then also when we went to what we think. We got a lot of positive feedback. And then we got tired of it and we changed the format. And we got some negative feedback, and then we got, we're getting no feedback. And it makes me think that maybe we made a mistake, and you and I haven't talked about this. This is no. cold, cold turkey for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe we made a mistake in, in, in changing our format so much. And the only reason I feel comfortable saying that on air without talking to you ahead of time about it is because it sounds like the, 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 the transitions that you're talking about making in the next couple or three um, episodes, I'll say, uh, are going to sort of take us back to more like what we were right. in the in the beginning that was enjoyed more by our listeners. Um, I mean, we can bring... Well, here's the big thing is I just... And I, I said this, you know, last time we did that, that mm-hmm. setup was mm-hmm. I was just burnt out on ba- you know bashing celebrities i was too and i was also burnt out as i know you were on uh okay it's time now to switch and go to this next thing and right. um it forced us into discussing things that we weren't really interested in just so we could have that segment filled and i and i think that was where we started to slip off the our, our cheese started to slip off our cracker so as they say in the green mile i love that line uh, it, it, it lost its luster. Right. At that point for us. And we translated that to our on air experience. And I think it lost its luster for our listeners. So I'm hoping that what we're going to do in the next few weeks is kind of get back to a similar setup where we are going to be discussing 
celebrities that are stupid or even good ones yes. where we are going to be talking about somebody who died and somebody who did well for uh, the world and so on. Uh, but maybe without the clock ticking. And if we, if we get through all of those particular items on a show or we don't get through all those particular items on a show, it, it's going to be okay. Right. And I think, I think that's where we fucked up. I think we, sh- we, we tried to make everything we, fit. Well, we tried to, yeah, we tried to have it fit a, um, a clock and, and we're not clock oriented. Because that was when, so, because if you think about it, that was the whole time of that process of that format was when we were under 25. So we were, you know, yes, obligated to yes. stay at a certain we time. We had to watch our clock a lot. So, so now we don't have to. So, Anyhow, I uh, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt, or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past to relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. 
Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at jaysamon.com. Uh, we talked, you and I, about, yes. and I can't remember why. Oh, you were talking about education. You yes. wanted to bring in education or educational information um, to our podcast, to our listeners. And somehow we got on the subject of volunteers. Volunteers. <laughs> All of a sudden, I can't talk. Uh, and so I went online <laughs> and I thought, well, I'll look up and see what kinds of things people can volunteer for. And interestingly... Among things I got in the way of information was not so much things you can volunteer for, like be a candy striper or, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but I got two real interesting bits of information. One was the benefits of volunteering, and another was how to know when not to volunteer. Interesting. Yeah. Now... I can sit and read all this to you, but I'm not going to because of the fact that anybody with a computer can Google volunteerism or volunteering. Actually, I think what I said was things, volunteer things people can do. That was my original Google search. Okay. And, and I got these benefits and, and, uh, how to know when not to right off the bat. So anybody can go and read them. So I'm not going to go into detail with them. Uh, but just, I think more than the benefits, because anybody could probably, anybody with half a brain could imagine what the benefits would be. Well, yeah. You're going to benefit the person that you're volunteering to help or the group, and you're going to make yourself feel better. Uh, one thing people might not realize is one of the things that they're going to do is boost their career options. A lot of companies like to hire people who volunteer, and that's one thing I used to tell my uh, students. Uh, when you're preparing your um, resume, right, you always want to include the little things that you did in, uh, when you were at school, whether it's high school or college, that you didn't think too much about it at the time, but it seemed like the right thing to do. Right. You need to include that information on your resume because those are extra going beyond uh, the call of duty, as it were, uh, that, that indicate to a, a potential employer that you're not just in it for the the paycheck that you're in it to to uh, make a contribution when and where you can right and and that's an important quality uh that employers are willing to pay well for uh so that is uh, possibly something that people would not necessarily know right off the bat is a benefit from volunteering and of course yeah you get a sense of achievement and you learn new things and you meet different people and all that good stuff and that when not to volunteer Seems at first like, well, why would you never volunteer until you start thinking about it? And then you have to think about things like, can I do the thing I'm volunteering <laughs> yeah, to do? Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, I'm going to volunteer to dig ditches. Okay, first of all, I can't bend. Secondly, I'm not strong. I can't lift a shovel full of dirt very well, you know. Right. So you you have to be physically and mentally qualified right. 
to do the thing you're volunteering to do. Otherwise, you're not really helping. And you have to, to have the time to do the thing you're going to volunteer to do. Right. If you're going to volunteer to do something that takes, you know, takes you out of the house eight hours a day and you have a child, a child with yeah. no one to babysit it. Yeah, that's not copacetic. Hello. Yeah. That, that should make sense to people. So then you want to, you want to try to volunteer for something that either you can take your child with and then they learn something from it or, you know, maybe there's a volunteer childcare group. Who knows? Maybe you could be a volunteer childcare person. Eh, whatever. But the point is, don't volunteer for something if you don't have the time to do it. Right. You know. Um, let's see. What if you're overcommitted? Yeah. <laughs> don't volunteer for 15 different things at one time. You know. This should be obvious, but apparently it isn't because they actually have to write these things down for some people. <laughs> so, you know. If you do, if you volunteer for, it's like anything else. If you, if you do a job and you do it well, you're, you did good. You don't have to do 15 jobs half-assed. It's better to do one thing well right. than, than 10 things poorly. So just pick one thing you're really interested in that you can make a contribution to or the, and that you can learn from. This is, that would be a benefit. You know, you go in and learn how to do something and then turn around and teach somebody how to do it. You right. Know? What is it we used to say in school? Learn it, teach it, do it. Learn it, do it, teach it. Or something like that. Um, so that's uh, avoid. <laughs> I like this one. Avoid activities for which you do not have the temperament. Child care would be right up there on my list. Um, and I'm a mother. <laughs> But no, 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 don't want to do that. Uh, but there are other things besides childcare that require an even temperament. And, oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, caring for the elderly, volunteering to read to the elderly, uh, people who are in, um, SNFs, uh, skilled nursing facilities, for example. Uh, they love to have people come in and read to them. Right. Um, you know, or your local library. Uh, has story time for children. You know, if people think because everything's on computers and iPads and, and, and television sets that kids don't enjoy ha being read to, but that's not true. Kids really do enjoy being read to. They enjoy the, the back and forth. Right. Between listener and reader. Uh, and if it's, there's something special there. There is. And if it's somebody that, that, that they enjoy, if it's a personality that they enjoy and it's a story they enjoy, they enjoy being read to just as much as they enjoy watching. You know, it gives it the third dimension. You know, watching on the iPad, the computer or the television is a two dimensional experience. This, right. by being read to, it gives them that third dimension, whether it's their mommy, their daddy, or grandma, or who, you know. So there's always something like that to consider if you have the temperament for it. Um, be aware that there are certain stages in your life when volunteering is not a good option for you. Uh, like you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to uh, volunteer to uh, read to elderly ill people if you just lost your mother, right? For example, uh, maybe you would. Maybe that would be. Some coping benefit 
uh, to somebody, but on the other hand, it might not. So you need to think about it first before you just jump right in and do it. Uh, avoid volunteering for something just because your best friend is doing it. You know, me and my BFF are going to go down and, yeah, well, your BFF may be your BFF, but doesn't mean that necessarily you have the same skill set. Right. Or mental capacity or anything else. Don't be bullied or coerced or co-opted into volunteering. You know, that almost goes without saying, but apparently not because it's on the list. Um, let's see. I don't quite understand this one, so I won't go into it. Don't risk your safety. Yeah, that's kind of a given, I thought. I don't know what you would do that's not safe voluntarily, but... Be a lifeguard and don't know how to swim. Know. I guess if you're, if you're on a building site without a helmet and gloves, ask for a... Well, yeah. Trust your instincts. Okay, whatever. Um... Be wary of any organization that asks you to pay them in order to volunteer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're strapped for cash, it says. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have another, if you don't have enough money, I like this one the best, and it's at the last. If you don't have enough money to get by, then you're the one who should be benefiting from the volunteers, <laughs> not the other way around. So, yeah, you want to make sure that your life is in enough, uh, order that you can freely volunteer your time or whatever you're volunteering. Maybe you want to make cookies once a week. Well, that's fine. But if you don't have enough money for food for your family, you don't want to be buying stuff to make cookies for somebody else's family. Well, yeah. Um, And since we're talking about, you know, giving and donating and sharing, Mm -hmm. um, next episode is going to be uh, April. That's what I was doing when you were talking there for a second. Mm. I checked. Next episode, episode 40, is going to be in April, which is Autism Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And, and also text. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I thought that's what you meant when you said donating. <laughs> no. Um, in fact, I, I'm working on a script, just a little short script. We're going to have a brand new commercial for the month oh, of, of um, April. April. Good. And I know how much you love his voice, so I, I've tapped Ian Basor to, to to do the commercial. Excellent. And pretty much, and I'm not, you know, breaking it down to, oh, don- donate to this foundation. Mm. Um, what it's going to be is it's Autism Awareness Month, and you know what? There's not enough research being done Mm-mm. for autism, Mm-mm. and that's because of funding, federal funding. Mm-hmm. So donate to whatever charity, whatever mm-hmm. charity that has to do with autism. Mm-hmm. Donate. It doesn't matter if it's $5 or $100. It's just donate something. Yeah. And if it's possible to do some volunteer work, you know, it's, it's, I hesitate to say, go out and volunteer, you know, with your local person who has autism. Because if you don't know anything about autism, I know enough from from being with this family to know I don't know enough about autism that I could benefit them in that particular way. Right. Uh, but there might be other things one could do. You could, uh, if, if, for example, you're a housewife uh, or a house husband, you have organizational skills above and beyond the ordinary because anybody who's done that sort of thing realizes that to run a household 
You've got to be organized. Right. Well, anyone who has that skill could uh, conceivably organize something as simple as a bake sale. Right. With the proceeds to go to uh, the autism-related right. charity of your choice. And I want to put out whatever. To, I want to put out there that uh, we're not asking for no money. We don't. No, want no, no, no. no. God, don't send us money. No, no we're, we're not. We are nowhere near a charitable anything. No, we don't want money. We want <laughs> you to send. That, you know, that's up to you guys. Find your find yes. the organization that that helps people your that are dear to your heart. If that happens to be people with autism, then terrific. If not, you know, don't just back away and go. Oh well, I can't help them. They're not autistic. Right. No. Please help help people. But I mean, the, that's what but, we're that's what yeah. we're in in life for is people helping people. Absolutely. So if you if you can help somebody. There's, you know, just stop and think for a second. You don't have to be brilliant. There's a thousand ways you can help people. You just have to stop and think about it for a second. Right. You know, I mean, truly, it's not that hard. And if you don't know how, Google it. And if you don't have a computer, ask the little girl next door. She's probably a say, Girl if, Scout. If you don't have a computer, then how the hell are you listening to well, this? Well, where's that? Yeah. <laughs> Come to think of it. Well, they might have Stitcher. Well, uh, they phone, still yeah. have a computer, though, because iPhones much. are computers now. Well, anyway, you get my point. So help <laughs> help your fellow man is the message. Um, I'm going to jump in real fast. And I know because we didn't, we did, let's see, I'm trying to decipher what episode to what episode. Mm. Um, just catch everybody up on the Yolt Gnomes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. cut the Yotnam script down. The yes. the the second draft was 110 pages. We cut that some bitch down to 89 pages. And let me tell you, <clears throat> that was a um, it was an experience. It was not easy, I'm sure. No, it was not. No. Um, so now we're we're moving on to. I have to write an outline. I've gone online. I've done my research because you can't just do an outline. Of course, Hollywood has to have their specific type of outline. Of course. And, you know, their specific type of outlines has like eight different ones. Oh, yeah? So I had to figure out which one worked the best for me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm working on that. Okay. And then I am going to work a one-minute script for the Ayotnome commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to send it to Ben um, over, you know, at the animation studio that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say, how much for a one-minute commercial? Mm-hmm. And then with that one-minute commercial, I'm going to go ahead and, and run that on, um, it's not Kickstarter, it's the other one. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, shit, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> but anyway, it's the other major uh, social funding, mm-hmm. and we're going to start, because if we can get the money, this is what I feel, if we can get the money together to produce a one-minute commercial, mm-hmm. just to show them what I see in my head, just a, a, a you know, wet your lips kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think that we could take it to Kickstarter, which is a bigger funding medium, mm-hmm. and finance it. That way, I I just want to have a contingency plan. Mm. I I just a plan B, as yes, it were, because I don't. To me, right now, it feels like I'm working without a net. 
and that makes me very well, you anxious. You kind of are, actually. Yeah. So I want a contingency plan. So that's what's going on there. Um, I've been editing podcasts like crazy, um, you know, because we had the blackout in February, and now it's March, and I have all these podcasts to edit, and I've been doing that, putting it all together. Um, next episode, which, like, like I said, I just checked, will be episode 40, and we are going to have, well, I should re- reiterate that. We have brand new equipment right now. Yeah, um, we do. We're running off of a brand new laptop, but I have new mics, which I just showed you when you came right. over. Right. Those very are very jazzy. Very um, jazzy. I've yes. got the soundboard. I got everything I need except the wires. The the, the cords. Yeah. Why didn't somebody fucking tell me they don't come with wires? I mean, these mics come with wires, you know. I didn't even think about it until I got the boxes. I'm like, where's the wires? Well, you know, I could get, I could start my little rant about why the electronics industry is the way it is, but you won't like it. The electronics industry is the way it is because you men have allowed it to be this way. Now, this isn't don't get us started now. Just, just to throw no, that out. No, I there. know this isn't don't get us started. <laughs> However, when a woman goes to a store to buy a television set, mm-hmm. she expects to go in and get a box that has a knob on it to turn it on and speakers in it and antennas in it and wires in it and adapters in it and all the other things so that when she plugs in the plug that's also in it into the wall and she turns it on, she has television. But no, that's not the way you guys have decided that works the best. You've decided that to buy a television set and bring it home and plug it in, Mm -hmm. you need 50 different things first. (laughs) You have to get the screen, then you have to get the speaker, the receiver, the the electronic uh, doodads, the the cords, and the thises and the thats, and then you got to get a a cable hookup, and you got to get a remote hookup, and you got to get a DVD hookup, and you got to have all this horse shit. Before you can plug it in and turn it on and have television. Okay, I I can take it. I can take it because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, a guy did that because damn straight, a guy did that. I promise you that the minute the minute the electronics industry figured out that you assholes were were willing to buy bits and pieces of this and that to put it together to make it better to make it work, <laughs> let alone better, just to make the goddamn thing work. They said, holy shit, we've been doing this. When I was a kid, you brought a radio, you brought it home, you plugged it in, you turned it on. Bam. You didn't have to go out and buy all the, 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 what the hell do they call those things? Uh, Jesus, what do they call those things that, that they had in the old fashioned radios? Tubes. Ah. Those things, you know. Right. They're not called tubes, but you know what I mean. Those glass things. Yeah, they're tubes. Are they called tubes? Okay. You didn't have to buy those in a box separate. They were in the radio. The only time you had to buy them was when they died, and they didn't do that very often. Right. These days, fuses and tubes and whatnot. Oh, shit. Burn. Oh, yeah, about 90 days. Mm. <sighs> Did you want to buy the extended care facility 
doodad for that. Okay, we can sell you that. A two-year one for 50 bucks, a three-year one, you know, come on. Yeah, they tried to do that, too. They do it everywhere. Tonight. You get 90 days parts, period. Right. Who spends $5,000 on a television set that's good, that they promise you is good for 90 days? Yeah, it's insane. It really is. It's, yeah. So, so I'm sorry they didn't tell you about the, the wires, but I'm not surprised at all. You will learn eventually to look at the list of everything that comes with your item. Well, see, I, I, I was extra cautious about when I was ordering the wires. I was like, what am I going to need? Besides the wires. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. You'll need a plug. The adapters. Uh-huh. Yes. Adapters. And, and that's what I did is I uh-huh. went through and bought yeah. the adapters yeah. and the plugs for the yeah. adapters for the adapters. Okay. So. You got nobody to thank. I'm sorry, but yourselves. And I, and I, I say that with all abandon. I have absolutely no remorse in laying it all at the feet of the men <laughs> in this world who allowed this crap to get started and to continue. Women would not have tolerated it for a second. <laughs> because we, in the first place, we don't know how to put shit together. Okay? We're the ones that read the, the how-tos that are written by ESLs in China or something. Yeah. Okay? So we know those are no, they're not of any value, uh, value. And, and looking at the pictures doesn't help any either. <clears throat> so the only thing we say is put it all in a box with an on-off switch and a plug. That's all I need. Don't don't throw a bunch of shit at me. I don't want that. I'll pay you whatever you want for the box, but when I pay it, we're by God done. And it better last longer than 90 goddamn days. And no, I will not be buying the warranty that will make it last like it ought to in the first place for at least four or five years. You know, this disposable world we've let ourselves decide is acceptable is not. It's not acceptable at all. It's not a disposable world, and we shouldn't have allowed it to become one, and it may not be too late to stop it. But people have got to put their foot down and say, no, I'm not going to buy anything that only lasts me 90 days or a year and a half. Are you nuts? I'm spending a quarter of my wages for a year on this thing, and you and it's like cars. Cars are the same way. People buy cars with the idea that they're going to sell it in three years because it's not going to be worth anything after that anyway. Because it's going to start falling apart. Well, yeah, it is because you've been tolerating that. You just start saying to the car manufacturers, we're not going to take this shit. You know, like the guy in the movie, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Right. We're not going to do that. If you if you build a car that will last me ten years, we'll talk. Otherwise, forget it. I'll fucking walk first. But we don't do that. We go, well, that's all you can do. They don't last more than about three years, and then they start to fall apart. God knows you can't get parts for them because they don't make them anymore. <laughs> I mean, so there's my rant. Okay, sure about that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sorry at all. I I have I've done that more than once. My poor husband has heard that one. <laughs> Bless his heart. More than once. All right, kids, we're going to close out on a fun note. <laughs> Yay! Oh, yeah, I see that. Now, Pope Francis made the news today. 
Pope popped one, did he? Yeah, he he did. He <laughs> he dropped a good one. In fact, the article, and this is Yahoo News, and it's by uh, Mike Kernboltz, and it's Pope Francis, potty mouth. Mm. Now, <clears throat> yeah, we'll talk and then, or well, I'll read and then we'll talk. Okay. Okay, it says, Pope Francis dropped the Italian equivalent to the F-bomb during Sunday's address from the Vatican's palace. Hmm. No need to wash out the, how do you pronounce that? Pontiff? Pontiffs? Pontiff. Pontiff. Pontiff's mouth with soap, though. It seems that he's, the swear word was a simple slip of the tongue, reports NPR reports. Francis, speaking in Italian, not his first language, Spanish, said the Italian word version of the king of bad words. He was attempting to say caso or caso, which translates into example or case. The Pope corrected himself immediately. What did he say? What was the word he substituted? Because I know how to say that in Spanish, and it's not anywhere near that word. Uh, let's see. A translation of the unfortunate error was posted in the local. If each one of us does not amass riches only for oneself, but half for the services of others in this, then he drops the, for this fuck is, you know, what, uh, then he paused. In this case, the providence of God will become visible through this gesture of so. Souls. It's not going to tell us the Italian word that he used. I'm looking. Oh, oh. Uh, and then it goes. Hey, as they say, shit happens, and the Pope shouldn't feel alone. This is hardly the first time a person in a position of power said something unprofessional. Vice President Joe Biden was famously heard describing the Unfortunate Care Act as a big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. And his boss, Barack Obama, once told TV journalist Matt Lawyer that he was trying to... Matt Lauer. (coughs) Oh, Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer, that he was trying to figure out um, who's ass to kick regarding the BP oil spill. And let's not forget former Vice President Dick Cheney. Who, uh, who told Senator Patrick Levy, uh, Democrat Vermont, to go fuck himself in 2004. And then there's a nice little update down here. And it says, some Yahoo commenters pointed out that the word Pope Francis said could be translated into prick as well as the F word. But we don't know what the actual word was. Because... Like I said, I know how to tell somebody to do obscene things to their mother in Spanish, and I I would be interested to know whether that word is anywhere near, uh, because Spanish is his uh, first language, it'd be interesting to know whether that was anywhere near the sound of the Italian flub that he made. But apparently we're never going to find that out because it's not in there. So Well, I'm, well I'm, and in all, you know, all fairness to the Pope, and I'm not Catholic, but I mean, no. in all fairness to the Pope, it was a mistake. It wasn't, it wasn't like he meant to say that word. It was a, uh, 
a language problem. He had a language issue. Right. So, you know, I guess that that could be understood, accepted, but I don't know. And, you know, as, as far as people in high places getting caught saying things is concerned, you know, remember, my, my dad was a preacher. Right. Okay, and, and was uh, placed on a high pedestal by most of his parishioners, as were we, the rest of his family. And we constantly, as, as <laughs> kids, my brother and I constantly got, oh, but you're the preacher's son or you're the preacher's daughter. You can't behave or think or right. talk like that. You know, because you're special. No. They put on their pants the same as we do, one leg at a time. And I don't care if that's if that's Barack or if it's Francis or who it is. Well, maybe Francis doesn't put on his pants the same way because he wears dresses, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Well, maybe his boxers. Who knows? Maybe he does. Well, moral of the story, kids, is... is if you're going <laughs> to fuck up in, in Italian, don't have the mic on. Yes, exactly. Oh, you read my mind. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, because, man, they're going to catch your ass at it. And then they're going to say you have a potty mouth. See, whereas I have a potty mouth. No. Yeah, I know. It's a big shock. Uh, just a real fast thing to close on. Mm. I was talking to one of the workers where I work at the hospital. And they were saying, your show's funny. It's good. But... You swear a lot. You swear in the beginning. Why do you have to say the F word? I'm like, what are you talking about? <clears throat> Very religious Christian people. Mm. And um, and she was like, you know, it's Monday night. No, let's uh, find out what, what the, the fuck. I'm like, I'm like, fuck. It's think about it. What the fuck? It's part of the. But yeah. Oh, there are so many people for whom those kinds of things are issues, and and I'm sorry for them. I really am because all I can do is refer them to George Carlin and his uh, the late great the George late Carlin. great George Carlin and his dissertation on the word shit. If you don't understand why people say fuck all the time, listen to that. And if you still don't get it after that, give up because you never will. <laughs> Give up. Yeah. And just keep bitching and moaning and complaining and and uh, and and going to church and hoping for the best. And with that said, kids, <laughs> that's it for this week. I am David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. And you heard what we think. And now you know. Good night. Good night. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya, S.A. Burbank Podcast. Or S.A. Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. The game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. And see, I came up with more. Not what we know, because we don't know shit.